Guys, we have a real conflict in the culture we live in. And by culture, I mean where we work, our neighborhood, our neighbors, the city we live in, the high school we go to, our state, our country. There is a lot of confusion about what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean in the daily grind of life to live my testimony as a Christian? Because in many ways, Christianity in our time has become really intertwined with the culture. And that is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing for Jesus to be popular. It's not a bad thing for the church to get it and to understand the culture. Because it's our burden to be able to communicate the gospel in a way that everyone around us can understand exactly what we're saying and understand why we're doing what we're doing. But there is a lot of confusion. This morning I've entitled my sermon, Tell Me the Truth. Because sometimes, guys, we have to come back to center. Sometimes with all the things that we hear and all the things that we see, we have to come back to the truth of the Word of God. And we have to center our lives on what it says. Because the world around us is confused about what a Christian is. And honestly, guys, listen, some of us, so many Christians around us in America have just a very, very, very immature faith. Like we come to know Jesus and then we, that's, we stop there. And some churches never get past the altar call. Now I think it's, it's awesome, guys. There always needs to be an opportunity in church for people to surrender their lives to Jesus. But the Bible goes way deeper still. It doesn't just tell us how to accept Jesus into our hearts. It tells us very specifically what it means to live out a faith in Jesus. And I'm going to say something this morning that might be very shocking to you. But God is just as interested in who you become in this life as he is that you gave your life to him in the first place. He's very interested in what your life and my life look like. It's not an afterthought. That's why he gave us the word so that we could learn, right? We talk about following Jesus. Do we know what it means? Because in our culture, guys, in our neighborhoods, there are some very confusing ideas that don't line up with the Word of God from people who call themselves Christians. Here are some of the wrong ideas in our culture. The Bible's not always true. Times change. Now those may not be the specific words that you've heard someone say. But we've all heard it in one form or another. 
The Bible was true for them. This part might be true for me. That part's not true for me. Here's another wrong idea. I don't have to commit to your view of Jesus. This is really popular in millennial culture. This is those of you in your late 20s, early 30s. Like, listen, I can study the Bible for myself and then I will accept my understanding of it. You have your understanding, I have mine. Right? Is that true? Here's one I hear a lot from nexters. This is, this is your college age students and younger. I'm forgiven, so why does it really matter how I live? If God created me to love me, if Jesus died to forgive me, then, then this decision I'm making doesn't really matter, does it? I'll just be forgiven anyway. The problem is when we believe these things, we see God wrongly. We stop seeing God as holy. Because we compromise, we begin to see God as a compromiser. Surely God must be okay with it. I'm okay with it. Or we see God as passive. We sing that he's powerful and just, but we don't live like it. We live like he doesn't have a standard. He's just too passive to do anything about it. And in its worst case, we see God as impotent. Maybe he thinks what's going on is wrong, but he's too impotent to do anything about it. He's a wimp. He won't do anything. He won't hold us accountable. He won't hold me accountable. Guys, we've taken Jesus and we packed him up into this, into this just little nice guy who never wants to offend anyone. But that is not who Jesus was. If you read your Bible, Jesus was a very strong personality. And Jesus was not afraid to speak the truth. Jesus was not afraid to look death in the face, to speak the truth. And he wasn't afraid to walk into the temple and throw tables over. And guys, listen, he sat there and he made a whip. He didn't go buy one. He sat there and twisted that sucker together and then he started whipping people with it. Told them to stop making the temple into a Walmart. Jesus wasn't impotent, he had power. Jesus wasn't passive, he was firm. But in the midst of it all, Jesus was love. You see, you don't have to give up being firm in your convictions to be a loving person. And Jesus did not. One of the places I hear this, listen, I like all kinds of music. I'm a musician, you know, a, a very amateur one. But any kind of style of music that's done well, I like it, man. I'll go watch Yo-Yo Ma play the cello. I'll listen to bluegrass. I'll listen to techno. I don't care. I love to rock. I, don't, I love anything that sounds good. And sometimes I listen to the country station. It's one of the few genres of music that still has good guitar leads. A lot of those guitar leads died in the 90s. It broke my heart. But listen, I listen to country songs, man, and sometimes I listen to one and it grieves me. 
Now listen, I'm not just sitting there in judgment. But I'm just hearing about, hey, man, I'm a good old boy. You know, like I go to church on Sunday and I just do whatever the hell I want all week long. That is not the gospel. Jesus is not passive. He doesn't want you part-time. He either has all of you or none of you, and there is no in-between. Either Jesus is Lord to you and I, or he is nothing to you and I. Nothing but lip service. So this morning, I'm going to speak the truth. Are you okay with that? If you and I are going to live out our faith in the daily grind, there's a few things we got to understand. And the first one is this. The Bible is the source of truth. The Bible is the source of truth. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16, chapter 3, verse 16 says this, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking. That's when you call somebody out, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God, which is what every Christian is supposed to be, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's what the Bible says. But in our culture, we've become so intertwined sometimes that we forget what the Bible is for. I want you to watch this video. News of two, News high, of two high profile faith leaders walking away from Christianity is making headlines. Joshua Harris, author of the popular book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye, announced last month on Instagram that he was leaving the Christian faith. And Hillsong worship leader, Marty Samson, says while he hasn't renounced his faith, he is struggling. John Cooper, leader of, uh, lead singer rather, of the Christian rock band Skillet, addressed the issue in a post on Facebook saying Christians need to value truth over feeling. John joins us now via Skype. Welcome, my friend. Everyone is talking about your Facebook post uh, addressing the issue of Christian leaders falling away. Uh, John, why did you feel the need to write this post? Uh, first of all, great to be here. Um, I felt the need to do this uh, not to attack anybody, not out of hatred, not out of anger. I just was sad. I was depressed. Um, these are people that have influenced my life my kids' lives, my friends' lives, my church. And it's so saddening and so disheartening. And I just want to make a call to the church to grab a hold again of the preeminence of the Word of God and that there is absolute truth, that Jesus is the way. And they're so these social media platforms are so big and these voices are so loud. I just want to say, hey, I'm really sad about this. I didn't think anybody would care about my post, to be honest. I didn't think anybody would even read it. But I'm sad about it, and I'm just pleading for the church to come back to the gospel, to come back to the truth of the Word of God that never changes. Uh, John, in your post, you warned Christians to stop making worship leaders and other influencers, including yourself, uh, the most influential people in Christendom. Explain what you mean by this. Yeah, what I mean by this is that if you look the right way, if you sing the right way, if you sound the right way, then you can become uh, a, a, an extremely powerful person in today's Christian culture because 
Unfortunately, the church, me included, my, my church included, my family included, unfortunately, the church is looking to be entertained. We are not looking to worship God as he ought to be worshiped. We're looking for people to feed us and entertain us. And so what we have is that we're elevating people that sing the right way. And we are letting things get away with lyrics and songs, perhaps. Uh, uh, skillet. I've written a lot of songs that I would not want to be sung at church because they are not theologically accurate enough to sing about God's character. So that's what I mean about that. I don't want to be the person that people listen to. I want the Word of God to do that. And there are people that are gifted and anointed from God to be sharing the Word. And that's who I want to see us elevate. Yeah, you, you mentioned the preeminence of the Word of God. Let's talk about that for a few seconds here. You are urging uh, believers to rediscover the preeminence and the value of the Word of God. Why is that so important? Well, it's important because we're not just seeing this in the church. We're seeing it all of culture. We are basically seeing the, the uh, grandchildren of 1960s postmodern thought. The, the absolute truth is done. What's true for you might not be true for me. We're seeing it in everything, at, 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 in the universities. We're seeing it in politics. Everybody is so confused about what truth is. And the church is supposed to be invading culture with the kingdom of God. And instead, we are letting the culture invade the church. And that's not the way that we're supposed to do it. Jesus is the only thing in this world that will never change. Everything else is going to fall away. Everything else is going to change. But his word stands forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if we lose that, then we basically lose everything. Uh, real, real quickly, last question. You have been involved in the Christian music scene for many, many years. John, how do you stay balanced and true to the word of God? Through reading the Word of God, through studying it, through my pastors, through the people that I listen to, uh, and as I say, I am no theologian. Nobody wants me to start being a theologian. That's not what I'm trying to do. I stay balanced by, by feeding myself truth, even when that truth can sometimes be somewhat inconvenient. There are things about God that I've had to struggle with, uh, and, and I realize, you know what? If I'm struggling with who God is— it's not God that needs to change. It's me that needs to change. That's what lordship is about. And we are losing that uh, in a generation of young people. And, and I think that we could be doing a much better job of preaching truth. And it's, and it's not just the, 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 the leaders I'm talking about. I'm talking about all of us. The church, we need to say, you know what? I don't want to look for what is entertaining. I don't want to look to what tickles my ears. I want to look, look for what is right and true. And if my ideas have got are wrong, that I need to change my ideas of, of who God is. Okay, terrific. John, thank you so much. I appreciate your insights and coming on the show. So, Truth, I read that Facebook post when it came out and agreed, and then I saw this short video. But John Cooper in that video, he calls things what it is, and it, and it really matters because he himself is in a culture, right, where some compromises are being made, you know, but he's trying to stay true to the Word of God. I mean, I love music. You love music, right? I think you do. You may not. But, you know, we, we can't let necessarily every song we hear about God be what we interpret to be truth. We have to check that with the Word of God. God has equipped people to be worship leaders. God has equipped people to be entertainers. God has equipped people to be teachers. God has equipped people to be 
pastors, and we need to dial in with the people who are teaching God's word and with learning from God's word on our own so that we know the direction we need to go. And I want to tell you, being a pastor is more than looking good. (laughs) You, You already knew that. It's more than looking good. It's, it's more than, than, than having a charismatic personality. And it's certainly more than just being comfortable holding a microphone. Here's what a pastor is supposed to do. Be a shepherd and a teacher. When you call me Pastor Phil, that's what I hear. All right? I don't hear pastor as an authority, authoritative. I don't hear you're important. I hear you're a shepherd, man. Are you doing it? Are you shepherding? Are you caring for? Are you watching over? Are you taking responsibility? It's shepherding and teaching. That's what pastors do. And we we need to dial in to the truth. And we need godly worship leaders like Shannon and the team who put in time to make sure what they sing is theologically true and theologically accurate. You and I have to be picky who we allow to shepherd us. You can't just follow every blog post. You can't just agree with every book. You can't just follow what the song lyrics say and believe that to be truth if they're not found in this book. Listen, we live in one of the most hostile cultures to absolute truth. But we can get caught up in that, guys. You know, it's been worse. It was worse for Paul. Paul was executed a couple years after he wrote that passage we just read. And he was locked up and executed for standing for his faith in the word of God. The world changes, but but God does not. The world changes, but God does not. Society, our neighbors... Society values shift, but the Bible is and will always be absolute truth. Always. It doesn't change. And you and I need to discipline ourselves to know what the Bible says. If you haven't signed up for Engage, guys, this is why we're doing it. To dial into the word of God. Men, listen to me. I'm doing Engage. I'm looking forward to learning from Jenny and Josh and what they have done to prepare. But guys, step up to the plate. Dig into the word of God and then go to another brother and say, hey man, you want to do Engage? I'm doing it. Right? Let's do it. Let's engage with the word of God because the Bible is our source of truth. Secondly, There is only one real Jesus. There is only one real Jesus. Listen to John 14, verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 15, Jesus said this, If you love me, keep my commands. 1 John 1 verse 5 says this, this is the message we have heard from him, that's Jesus, and declare to you, God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. 
If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. Do we have people in our culture using the name of Jesus who are not walking in the light? Everywhere. But what did Jesus say? If you love me, you will keep my commands. Here's the problem, guys. Sometimes we don't like the Jesus in the Bible. And so we create a new one that looks like us. And we say, I'm following Jesus, but it's not the same Jesus. Listen, the Jesus that looks like you is not real. He's as much fiction as Santa Claus. There's only one real Jesus. Sometimes we approach Jesus like we're shopping on Zillow, you know? We go in there, we go online, we're shopping on Amazon, you know? We're like, we're like look, I finally found the three-bedroom, uh, two-and-a-half-bath Jesus that meets my needs. Just the right color. Just the right neighborhood. Now I found a Jesus that reflects my values, my wants, my desires. But what we feel about Jesus, what we feel about Jesus is not as important as who Jesus actually was and is and what he actually said. You might need to ask yourself this question this morning. Are you really following Jesus? Or are you following a Jesus you created? Because Jesus is a real person. And we know who Jesus was by what he said and what he did. And if you believe in a Jesus that didn't say these things and didn't live this way, you're not really following Jesus at all. Number three, DIY Christianity will ruin your life. Do-it-yourself Christianity will ruin your life. Ephesians 4 verse 17 says this, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility or the foolishness of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. He's talking about unbelievers here. Because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. The world around us doesn't want to know what Jesus said. The world around us doesn't want to know what the Bible says. The world around us wants to go la, 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 la. And do what they want to do, right? But God says when you live that way, you're actually darkened. When you live that way, you're actually foolish. It's like you can't see what's right in front of your face. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. 
you were taught with regard to your former way of life, your life as a non-Christian, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Here's the problem, guys. When we start indulging in the things the world indulges in, we begin to separate ourselves from the life that God has for us. We begin to distance ourselves from all of the good he wants to bring into our lives. Sometimes we want to take this steering wheel and oftentimes God will give it to us. But where are you going? Where are you headed? We become blind and our lives become corrupted. We begin to feel like God's expectations of us are just a little too limiting. I mean, who is God after all to tell me what I should or shouldn't do? Times have changed. God needs to get with it. We want to be the only voice in our lives that dictates the rightness and wrongness of our decisions. We don't want God or anybody else to tell us what we're doing is wrong. We, re we reject the idea that what God has for us is the best way forward. It's crazy. But when we begin to make compromises in our lives, we begin to separate ourselves from all of the good that God wants to bring into our lives, and then we're surprised when it sucks. How did I get here? Well, listen, there's a way to know exactly how you got there. Turn around and look at the road that got you there. Right? Pull up that Google Maps in your mind. You can see how you got where you are. And sometimes we get where we are because we separate ourselves from the life of God because we want it our way. We want to do it ourselves. We want to be the only voice of conviction. We don't want God or anybody else telling us what's right and wrong. And it's because we don't believe that God actually is smarter than us. We don't believe that God's plan is actually better. But in the end, we always experience the consequences of our pride. I tell you, that last song we sang, the part where my heart got the most stoked was when it was talking about like we all are in brokenness. We are, aren't we? Because we all know what that feels like to not take the path God told us to take. We all know what it's like to make that decision. We know that God didn't want us to make, but don't we experience the consequences of our pride? When we put our hands in our ears and we go, la, 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 to the Holy Spirit, you, we, we do end up somewhere. That is unhappy. Now, I want to talk about a couple things, guys, that are just a big deal in our culture right now, okay? And I'm going to be a little heady. Please forgive me on this. But I want to show us where God's clear direction in our lives is better than what the world is telling us. Testing, testing, testing. Cuts off. I'm just going to talk. Can you guys hear me? Testing, testing, testing. I'm just going to talk loud anyway. 
<laughs> Spiritual warfare. Are you listening? Are you listening? The culture we live in today says this. You know what? When the Bible talks about sex, it's old-fashioned. It's the old way. We don't have to do that anymore. We know better than that now. It's so tempting for us to believe that because guess what? We all want to have sex. Right? Because God designed us to. But we don't want limits. We don't want to be told how. We don't want to be told when. We don't want to be told the way. Listen, do you know that your body, your brain has chemicals in it. And your brain releases chemicals at certain times to make you feel a certain way. This is just science, okay? Your body has a chemical in it called oxytocin. And do you know what oxytocin is? It's a drug that's released in your brain that God designed. It makes you feel good and it makes you feel bonded. Okay? Let me give you an example. Top three times oxytocin is released in the human body. Number one, when a mother gives birth. This may sound weird to you, mamas. <laughs> maybe, it'll, maybe it'll make less sense to the dads because we didn't experience it the same way. But mamas, when you have a baby and you smell those smells, gross, right? When you smell those smells <laughs> and you have that baby, it triggers in your mind to release oxytocin. That oxytocin makes you feel good. That's why you feel good, right? But it's also a bonding agent. Because of that experience, holding that child and the oxytocin being released, that child will forever be to you different from other people. It creates a bond. Second most common time oxytocin is released in the human body, breastfeeding. Doesn't that make sense? Same thing. Third, sex. So here's what happens. Our culture tells us, listen, guys, you can have sex with whoever you want to and whenever you want to. And if you're a Christian, sometimes you're like, I know this is wrong, but God will forgive me. But it ain't like that. Because when you have sex with that person you're not married to, and you think, I can handle this, no, you can't. In fact, you don't even have control of it. Whether you like it or not, and no matter who you're with, oxytocin will release in your brain you will both experience pleasure and bonding. That's why if you had sex with someone outside of marriage and you broke up, it felt like a divorce, at least the first time. Because you thought you were having fun, but your body said you were divorced. And you feel the, great, the grief of it. Now what happens in our culture is we say, okay, that's just guilt for the first time. Just keep doing it and it'll go away. You bet it will but you give yourself attachment disorder. I know what attachment disorder is because I'm a foster parent. I have a daughter that we've adopted. Moment, the moment we, we brought her into the home, she called me daddy. She didn't mean it for a year and a half because she didn't know from her experiences how to bond with someone else. Her bonding and breaking, it happened so much, it, her brain stopped knowing how to do it. So here's what this looks like in an adult who has attachment disorder. You've been with someone broken up, been with someone broken up enough times, 
that two years into your marriage, you're like, I just don't feel it. Because you can't. Because your mind doesn't know how to attach to the person you now want to be with. Does God have our best interest in mind? Guys, this is science. You can read this in psychology today. I have the article if you want to see it. God's way is better. Drugs, abusing alcohol. This is a question I get all the time. What's wrong with smoking a little marijuana? Right? I'm not against a moderate use of alcohol. I think one or two drinks. I mean, the Bible does not condemn this. But it condemns drunkenness. It condemns using alcohol as an escape from life. So why does it matter, Phil? You're just being legalistic. Stop preaching to me about the things I love to do, right? Here's how this works. When you smoke marijuana, what marijuana does to your brain is it releases pleasure chemicals that tell your body that you're experiencing good things you're not actually experiencing. Right? When you're using drugs, you feel like you're riding a roller coaster with the girl of your dreams and holding your favorite snack all at the same time. The only problem is you're not actually doing any of those things. This is how you become addicted to drugs. This is why when you use drugs, you start to become a recluse because you can have all the experiences you want all by yourself. And you begin to lose friends and you begin to break relationships because you're just tricking your body into thinking you're happy, but you're not happy. You don't actually have any reasons to be happy. You've just tricked your body into thinking that it is. You know what I'd rather do? actually enjoy my life. I'd rather ride the roller coaster. I'd rather eat pretzels. Is God's way better? You see, we think we're tricking the system, guys. We think when we compromise that we're tricking the system, but we're really destroying our lives destroying our testimony. We think we're tricking God by doing it ourselves and having it our own way and making our own compromises, but really, we're just a fool sitting at home high. Really, we're just someone who's had sex enough times that we can't love anyone anymore. And the devil just laughs and laughs and laughs and laughs and laughs. And society says, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. And God says, I have so much more for you than that. There's nothing going on in your life that God can't heal. You need to hear me say that. No matter what you've done, God can fix it, but God is not a fool. We experience the consequences of our choices. And lastly, grace comes with accountability. We need to understand that grace comes with accountability. 
Second Corinthians chapter five, verse six says this. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would rather to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. In other words, it'd be better to be with Jesus than be here. That's what he's saying. Whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. I want to dispel a popular misconception, an unbiblical belief in the church that if you've given your heart to Jesus, you're not accountable for what you do. That is not what the Bible says. You see, in the Bible, there's two judgment seats. There's the great white throne judgment, and that's where God separates believers from non-believers. And there's the judgment seat of Christ, which is only for Christians. And Paul says, we're going to give account of the things done in our body, whether good or bad. You mean Jesus is going to bring up bad things I did? You bet. Guys, that goes so against our culture. But this is the problem with the viewpoint, I'm forgiven, so why does it matter? Grace is free, but it isn't a free pass. The Bible doesn't teach that everyone will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Just the ones who are good and faithful will. The Bible does not teach that because God has forgiven me in Christ that I will not have consequences for my decisions or that I won't have to be accountable to God for my decisions. Guys, the Bible says we do. That God will ask us about how we chose to live as a believer. Now listen, he will wipe away every tear before you walk into paradise, but some of us will have them. I, for one, do not want to stand before Jesus after he gave his life to give me a new one and have him say, Phil, why was that better? Why was that so important? We have to live a faithful and confessional life. This is what it means to walk in the light. It means this, it doesn't mean that you and I don't make mistakes or that you and I don't willfully sin because we all do. But what it means is I don't ever take a break from my relationship with Jesus. It means that when I screw up, I come to God immediately and I say, God, I'm sorry. Help me to be the man I wasn't five minutes ago. And when we confess, he's faithful to forgive. But when we treasure sin in our hearts, when we live compromise and don't address it, when we go la, 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 and keep doing things we know the Holy Spirit and God and his word have told us not to do, 
we will stand before Jesus and answer for it. And you don't want to be there. So what are the secret sins? What are the compromises nobody else knows about? What are the compromises you don't even talk to God about? He won't do anything about it. It'll be all right. Listen, Jesus doesn't want an open relationship. He doesn't want to share you with anybody else. He's not going to give you room to sleep with your idols. It's all or nothing. Doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. It just means we live in the light when we do. So here's the invitation today. There is only one Jesus who saves. And he's the only Jesus who can save you. If you've committed your life to a Jesus that agrees with you, that Jesus can't save your soul. It doesn't matter how many times you say the name Jesus. If it's a different Jesus, it doesn't matter. The only Jesus who can save you is the one we read about right here. And so maybe for you, it's a lordship question today. Maybe you've been saying you follow Jesus, but you're not really because it's a different Jesus. A Jesus that looks like you and me. Maybe you've embraced God's grace, but you've forgotten about his holiness. Jesus, I receive your forgiveness, but I'm not going to change this. You can't come to Jesus part way. Hear me. He will receive you as you are, but you have to give all of yourself. If you come to Jesus and you say, Jesus, you can have this, but not this, Jesus will say, no, thank you. God's holiness won't be diminished. He is holy and he will hold us accountable. So what is, the, what is it you need to talk to God about today that you've been allowing, that you believe that he's too passive to deal with, but now you realize he's not passive at all and that he will hold us accountable. Guys, we're going to have the, the invitation today is going to go this way. I want to invite everyone to be in prayer. I want to invite you to pray in the spirit for the people around you because the enemy is working right now to distract. The enemy is working right now to distract people away from listening to the spirit. But if God is speaking to you, guys, don't wait. Don't wait. The devil will just keep lying to you. You'll walk out of this building believing the same lies you walked in with and the only one who will win is him. But he's trying to crush you. I want to invite you as we sing and as we pray that if God has spoken to you, 
I want to invite you to come forward. We have an altar of invitation right here. And there will be a couple people down here you can talk to. If you want some, if you want to pray by yourself, pray by yourself. If you want to pray with someone else, there'll be somebody here that you can talk to. And there's also a couple people in the back. You can go back there. You can pray. You can talk to someone. You can take the sin that God brought to your mind and you want to confess. You can write it on a card and put it on that cross as a symbol of the commitment that you're making today. But don't walk away without talking to Jesus. Because you know what's more important than your pride? Your soul. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would complete your work. God, that you would draw us near. That in your conviction, we would be drawn to your love and a brand new start. Because we know the truth, not only able to, but you want to. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.